I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, it's Tuesday, 13th of August. I'm Andy Brassel. She's Jules Breach, and this is Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. I think the philosophy in terms of the, the transfer signings has been a good step in the right direction. Younger, fresher, hungrier players, all British boys. I just don't quite agree with people who say Jurgen Klopp should have gone out and strengthened his squad. As he's made very clear, there was no need for him to go out and do that. Maguire is not going to have a problem, is he? On today's show, we'll be talking about the debutants in the Premier League this weekend. We'll be talking about the promoted sides to the Premier League and how they're not scared of not no one. And we'll be looking forward to the Super Cup in Istanbul between Liverpool and Chelsea, which Stephanie Frapper will be refereeing. So we'll be talking about the implications of that. That's all to come today on Jules and Andy. How are you, Jules? Good weekend? I'm good. Oh, it's so good that the Premier League is back. Busy weekend of work. Loved watching all the football again. It was just good. What about you? Uh, yeah, pretty good. I watched um, loads of the sort of football you would expect me to watch. <laughs> bit, bit of German Cup, bit of Russian Premier League, uh, lots and lots of Ligue 1 because Ligue 1 in France uh, started this weekend. Good win for Lyon, which was uh, pleasing. We had Memphis with his fingers in his ears. Um, Tungy and Dombele not missed too much. We'll come to him in a, a little bit, I'm sure. Uh, but, but yeah, it's good to have it all happening again I did think of you when the goals were flying in at Vicarage Road thank you very much we'll talk about that I we're definitely gonna be talking about Brighton's big win yeah, we're gonna have to, at we? Watford and uh, by the way nice new haircut thank you very much I, I would have liked to have thought you know everyone gets a new haircut for the start of the season if they're in a football team <laughs> I would have liked to think more of the Ramble crew would have no one else made much of an effort did they Andy but I did I did. And, you know, I know that. So I feel good about that. I've got this weird thing about really noticing men's haircuts when no one else does. No, no. I've got no stories to tell of it, but I just always notice when someone's had a haircut. 
So you'll, it'll never go amiss with me, Andy, when you've had your barnet chopped. That means a lot. That means a lot. <laughs> if, if you're the same and uh, you would like to know us, and of course you can follow us on, on, on Instagram. Uh, you can uh, follow us on there and um, notice our haircuts and, you know, what <laughs> shirts we're wearing and all that sort of stuff. You can also um, send us in your, your feedback and comments. And thank you for so much lovely feedback. For so the, much the love. We've loved episode. it. It was, it was great, wasn't it? So nice. But you can send that or slightly more sarcastic stuff if you'd like to... Um, uh, Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com we'll be dealing with um, some of your emails later dealing so. with them yeah, well, yeah we, we want to see business like it's the start <laughs> of the season new haircut proper answers to questions professional That's what it's all about let's get stuck in then shall we Andy debutants this weekend obviously the transfer window closed on Thursday last week. We yes. were looking forward to seeing some of the new signings in action. But as a whole, a lot of them started on the bench. They did. I mean, you initially looked at the teams and you thought, oh my God, everyone's got a good bench. Even Newcastle have got a good bench. It's because they're not in the actual team because they don't feel they're, they're ready yet. And, you know, when you get to Arsenal playing at St. James's, for example, and, you know, they, they, they brought on Nicola Pepe, 80 million euros worth of player. They brought on Danny Ceballos, who still belongs to Real Madrid. And then they didn't even get to David Luiz or, you know, Alex Lacazette was having a, having a little uh, rest or I, quite why you need a rest on the first day of the season. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was easy to look at a couple of them. It's think... interesting to see how tentative some of mm. these selections were, really. I think Arsenal starting eleven. Most definitely raised a few eyebrows, though, looking at that. It, it didn't look Did you right. Think League obviously, Cup? It, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, it's obviously a shame, and we won't really go too much into it that Urzel and Kalasinac weren't able to be mm. named in that starting 11. That, that played a bit of a part in it as well, but that for me did not look like a Premier League starting 11. Well, it's funny that you, you think that Urzel and Kalasinac didn't come along. And yet they were still able to leave all those players on the bench. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's that's a reasonable amount of, of, of resource. But we, we did get some um, debutants making a, a huge impact as well, didn't we? I, I guess notably the one's Harry Maguire, isn't it? Because yeah. of, of, of the way it happened with United-Chelsea. And because really of the the breakaway goal for the, the second goal, wasn't it? Which, which started with Harry Maguire really symbolically robbing Tammy Abraham, he was asking for a foul on the edge of the box and what, 11 seconds later or something, it was it was, it was in the back of the Chelsea net? I mean, notably as well, they've, they've kept a clean sheet, mm. Manchester United, and that was so important. It was such a big deal to keep a clean sheet at home in that first game of the season, particularly because despite the fact that Chelsea, you know, under Frank Lampard, we don't know really what this season is going to hold for them after the transfer ban, they're still a big team, aren't they? So, yeah. so for Manchester United to keep a clean sheet at Old Trafford against Chelsea was a huge deal. And Harry Maguire got man of the match in the game. He thoroughly deserved it. He had a good game. Um, and so did Aaron Wambasaka. I thought he played yeah. really well. Yeah, he, he did. And um, you know, I think it's easy to overlook because Maguire played with such, incre- especially played with such incredible assurance that there's an enormous amount of pressure on them to get it right. Any slips, we absolutely leapt upon from mm. from either of those but rather than the team making Maguire feel at home it was like Maguire making the team feel okay which is really interesting yeah. angle isn't it because you know it must be if not the biggest club game of his life pretty close to it um absolutely huge for for him you know making his debut at Old Trafford playing playing against Chelsea I bet and you, he looked totally at home I bet he's glad that 
the first game went as well. Obviously, of course, you can be glad that the first mm. game went as well as it did. But I think he's probably looking forward to everyone not really talking about him as much mm. anymore. Now that he's got his debut out of the way, he played really well. He can kind of not worry too much about people criticising him and comparing him to Van Dijk and wondering whether he's going to have as much of an impact as everyone is kind of hoping he will at United. He's probably glad that that first game's out the way now. They've kept a clean sheet. They've got off to a good start. I actually, as a whole though, don't think they played that well. No, I, I think that's fair to say. Um, I, I think you know, As a, a team, of, I mean. Yeah, sure. And a, a lot of people out there have said, you know, it wasn't a 4-0. No. Uh, but I think a huge part of that was how successful not just Maguire was, not just Wan-Bissaka was, but how successful United's defence as a whole was and how successful Maguire and Lindelof, mm-hmm. who've That's really the partnership only, now, only just met each other, yeah. really. Um, whereas a partnership, exactly. I, I think uh, that's really good for United. You feel there's like maybe not that depth there. It still feels that there's quite a significant drop-off if something happens to, to, to either of those guys. Um, but considering that, you know, they don't really know each other from Adam, mm. the way they clicked was was pretty was amazing. Yeah. I, I did notice Jose Mourinho, of course, made an interesting <laughs> first uh, turn as a, as, as a pundit. Um, uh, I love uh, how Sky. awkward it was in the studio right at the start, though. It felt you could cut the kind of atmosphere with a knife and it was quite funny how Jose kind of kept saying that he didn't want to be there he, he just kept alluding to the fact you know I don't really want to be doing this punditry I really want to be a manager and it, I just found it really amusing that he kept saying it do, do you think I, I think some of the awkwardness was probably well not the Graham Soonis probably bothered about anything like this but you know the, the others were probably sitting there thinking don't mention Pogba. <laughs> Don't mention Pogba. Because you know when you've got that that sort of elephant in the room and the whole time there's some, a little voice saying in your head, say it, say yeah, it, yeah. See, what, see what happens. Yeah, it was good though. It was good to watch and I thought he did, he did a pretty good job and it was great to get his insight, especially when him and Gary were sort of going back and forth to each other, him and Gary Neville. It was, it was yeah. an interesting chat, wasn't it? And I liked the fact that Jose did keep on kind of answering Gary Neville's questions and, and answering them honestly, which uh, was really good. And bringing up the fact that he brought in Lindelof and yeah. made him really good as yeah, well. Exactly. He, he just dropped that on there as, as as well. But yeah, great great start for them. Great start for uh, Daniel James. I think everyone was oh, really, so pleased really with him. enamoured about that. Really they? pleased. It was, it was pretty good. It's obviously been an emotional time for him, hasn't it? And that move to United and him scoring the goal, you could just really sense how proud he was to kind of be part of this huge club and and mm. just what it meant to him and and I think that that's perhaps something that's been missing from some of the newer signings to United in the last couple of years and to see a player like Dan James be that emotional and kind of caught up in the moment of scoring that goal mm. and how much it meant to him to have that red jersey on and to score that goal it was really nice to see and I think the fans will have the Man United fans that's that's everything they want to see isn't it yeah abs- absolutely and I think what this, this what every fan wants to see isn't it like players who look as if they care at least somewhere approaching as much as them yeah. you know that's, that's something that's important I mean fortunately I didn't intervene at that moment <laughs> would have been the ultimate uh, a- you know, anti-climax um, what was an interesting goal celebration particularly because it was his debut for Tottenham was Undumbele's celebration I was expecting because it was his first game at home he scored an an absolute cracker of a goal as well obviously because of when it was in the match 
it was quite subdued, but I quite liked it. I liked the fact that he didn't kind of go crazy. I liked the fact he was like, no, we're here to win. Yeah, we're one nil down. I've equalised. Right, let's get back into this now. Let's let's all start. Let's start this again. And was, he, he didn't get carried away, and I, I actually like that about him. He can tell he's a real winner. There was quite a leadership vibe mm. to that, wasn't there? And especially as I mean, may, maybe simply didn't know how to celebrate because as someone who watches Leon most weeks, I never would have picked him <laughs> to score that finish. Never, really. Like, it, I mean, he's he's a terrific player, but the two things that happen with him that really surprised me. Firstly, first half, I thought he was quite poor. And secondly, second half, that that goal, I, I, I never saw he had that finish in the locker. Really, really good finish. So what you're trying to say is, Spurs fans, don't get carried away. This is basically a one-off. That's not him. <laughs> well, well, hopefully the first half isn't him, uh, both, both for, for, for him and for, for Spurs. I mean, you know, we talk so much about the new Spurs signings, but almost the Christian Eriksen chat has has overtaken that really mm. I wonder you know, of course they can't sign anyone new before the end of the window I wonder if Ericsson signing again is n- not a total impossibility I just feel that you know we've seen it a lot haven't we with top players this this summer that there's maybe not the landing spots for them that they would hope I mean Gareth Bale is one of those for, for example I think that's definitely the case for Christian Ericsson I mean if you're a guy like him a guy who can be as influential as him how must it make you feel to know that you're Real Madrid's third choice mm. or maybe Atletico's fullback or, or, or whatever? I think if you're Spurs, surely you go, all right, we'll offer you a new deal on more money and we'll drop a release clause in there so that you, you can get bought next summer or something like that. I just feel that... Like, that's, sure, that's surely best case scenario right now sure, for Spurs. I think it's best case scenario for him. As, as well, I, I just don't think the move that he really wants is is quite out there at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely allowed Spurs to look sharper, to start chopping through Villa. And I mean, Villa looked absolutely... They, they were brilliant for the first like, hour or so, but they looked knackered by the end of it. And fair enough. I mean, they were a promoted side playing one of the best sides in the Premier League, one of the one best of the sides best in Europe. One of the stadiums in the world now as a- well. A- a- yeah. a- absolutely. And... Um, in that last bit of the game, like you're saying about Ndombele, who I did think was really one of the most impressive debutants of the weekend, he started looking like... When I went on holiday uh, this summer... Where are you going with this? Um, <laughs> don't, don't worry, I'm getting there. Uh, there was this... Um, we were on this like Euro camp and it was a sort of AstroTurf pitch where all the kids went and mainly played football. And um, normally it was populated by kids, I would say, probably between about 8 and 12... And sometime, like later in the day, you would get a couple of kids going out there who were like sort of 16, 17, who were still clinging on to holidays with their parents, mm. who would go on there and have a little play. And you'd be thinking, aren't you a bit old to be playing with those kids? I, that yeah. was the feeling I got with Ndombele in the end of that. He, he looked like he was bigger than all the other kids <laughs> in, in that last 20 minutes, that he had that extra, not just bit of energy and physical power, but the composure and the class to take the ball away from tiring players, to find the extra pass. And he is going to be absolutely huge. They've still got Lacelso to come as well. Exactly. See, he wasn't even on those, the, the gilded bench <laughs> and the series of Premier League gilded benches. I mean, what this tells us is, you know, this, this, this Premier League season, I think is really going to ignite probably in about two or three weeks. It's going to take time, isn't it? Yeah, but but you, think, you think when Pepe's at it, when Moisey Kane's at it, mm. that is going to make a, a massive difference. I, I, th- I think we're going to f- 
feel an explosion after the explosion in the Premier League this season? I think Everton fans were fuming, weren't they, that Moyes Kent didn't start the game and didn't come on sooner. I mean, that game needed something. It was it was all a little bit flat for me watching that one. Um, yeah, I felt the same actually about Patrick Cutrone coming on for, for Wolves. I think he's someone who will make a massive Im- impression for them. And in two games, you think of the Palace-Everton game and the Leicester Wolves game, and I know people will talk about the, the, the VAR incident in in, in Leicester Wolves, but really nothing's happening in either, either no. of those games. No. And, you know, if they'd have, if either of those players had had 10, 15 minutes more, think it would have been interesting yeah I know that the I mean I know that the Everton fans were really calling for Moyes Kane to to come on because that's he's the sort of player that will make such a difference to that Mm. squad and yeah I mean it's a shame we didn't get to see him see a bit more of him really but Brighton belatedly brought on their 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 big new signing Neil Mopai yeah and well he look he looks the part straight away I'm so excited we get to talk about this. It's so, do you know what? It is <laughs> he, he so... does fall under debutants this he weekend. Does, we're, we're, we're not veering off course. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I was, I was hoping that second show in on Football Ramble Daily, I wasn't going to come in and have to face a barrage of abuse about how poor Brighton were because pretty much everyone I know predicted Watford to win this match. Yeah, I would and have predicted win it, Watford to win it. And yeah. win it comfortably as yeah. well because, you know, since we've been in the Premier League, Brighton have had a pretty poor away record mm. and to be honest I didn't pre- I didn't make a prediction for the game because new manager new season fresh start I was intrigued I was excited I kind of didn't really know what to expect I just knew it was going to be different but what I wasn't expecting was three goals away from home and not to concede any so I was absolutely delighted this was an this was a dream start for Brighton mm. What I loved the most about this was the fact that we played a very exciting brand of football. It was fluid. It was it was fast paced. We moved the ball around nicely. Am I allowed to say it's everything that a Chris Hewton Brighton wasn't towards the end? You're allowed to say that. That's the truth. Yeah. It is the truth. And and this is the exciting thing with Graham Potter is that this is a completely new brand of football. Um, everyone, again, was kind of wanting to see the new signings and none of them started. So that was unusual. I was expecting Trossard to start and he didn't feature at all. He didn't even mm. come come on, um, which did surprise me. But the fact that he was able to introduce Andone and Morpe when he did and and Andone's got, I think, 62 seconds after coming off the bench. He's very underrated. Very, I, think. I think so too. He's a proper fox in the box. Uh, he has got pace as well. Yeah. And then Morpe's got, I was delighted for him. There is probably no better feeling as a footballer to score on your debut, and especially in in a in a win like that. That maybe not many people were, even Brighton fans that travelled to the game were expecting a big win like that. Mm. So that was a uh, really pleasing to see. What I really liked as well about um, about the performance from Brighton is the fact that despite the fact that Potter has changed this to a three four three type formation, and you know that's very different for Brighton because mm. we. We're so used to such a defensive approach. Under belt and braces. Yeah, yeah. What I loved is that our defenders were still our best players on the pitch, which is something mm. we've got quite used to. Dunk has obviously got the armband now, taken over from Bruno. And uh, Dan Byrne, Lewis Dunk and Shane Duffy still were the leaders in terms of passes of the ball, which was so good to see. Playing out from the back, a Brighton team doing that and actually doing it successfully 
Lewis Dunk got the assist for Neil Morpé's goal, which was a, a beautiful through ball. And um, yeah, it was just really pleasing to see. And I'm, I'm getting a bit excited and carried away, but I won't say we're going to win the league. Well, what, I, <laughs> what I'm really looking forward to is their Christmas production of Swan Lake or what, whatever <laughs> Graham Potter's going to make them do because he, he does make them step outside the box and, and challenge themselves. He, he, he did that at Osterson. I can't so imagine be the boys will be too happy with that. Oh, they they already em, em, embrace it. That's carried on at Ostersons. I was I was talking to David Priest when I was I, I was there. I think it was last month, and um, he, he was he was saying they've they've got to do um, they've got to do stand up comedy oh, this year for their uh, for their end of end of term show. So but, but, but apparently they're really into it. Really? Yeah, it's just about the way it's presented, mm. isn't it? And if they feel that everyone's doing it. They're cool with that. If, if one player was singled out, you know, like when talking of new signings, yeah. when they're, they've they've got to do, oh, what's the word? It's a bizutage in, in French. Well, you know, where they have to Initiation. Thank you. Where, where they, where I love they, that you know it in French before you know it in English. It's, uh, there, there's too much in my head. <laughs> it, uh, you know, when um, they, they have to get up on a chair and uh, mm. do their, do their, do their do song. Do song, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the... the the Swansea uh, players, when Roque Mesa signed, because he had that Freddie Mercury moustache, they made him do We Are the Champions. Brilliant. And I think that was all the English he could speak at that point. Tammy Abraham, on the other hand, he sings like an angel. Really? Oh, my goodness. Where he, can I hear this? He's incredible. Uh, YouTube it. I think it's when he, he signed on loan for Swansea. Um, Tammy Abraham, and I'm singing Where's the Men's Song. Oh, nice. oh, 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 well, I can't sleep at night without holding you tight. Girl, each time I try, I just break down and cry. Pain in my head, oh, I'll probably be there. Screaming you running around. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Sheffield United are going down. They're not even taking the Premier League seriously. Um, they're still bigging up Billy Sharp. And as much as I love Billy Sharp, great record. He's an absolute legend. Local boy, came good. Third spell at the club, I think it is. But he's League One. Um, he's not good enough for the Premier League. And with the greatest of respect, it's all sentimental bull that Sheffield United are hoping will take them through to 17th in the Premier League. We'll get to some of your emails shortly. So have your say. Email us, Jules and Andy, at footballrambledaily.com. You can make some suggestions for things you want us to discuss on the show. Or, of course, just send in any nonsense. We'll be reading that out. We love hearing from you. So, uh, Andy, promoted sides. Now, the good thing is, is that with the Premier League starting is we've, we've seen everyone in action, including the three sides that have come up, Aston Villa, Sheffield United and Norwich. And what was interesting to see is that They've all adapted the same style they played in the championship into the Premier League. Were you expecting that? Were you expecting a bit more of change? You know, when you say that, it does break my heart a little bit because I think, ah, that's exactly what Marcelo Bielsa would have done if he'd have got promoted (laughs) and brought Leeds with him, which I'm still really keen to see. Uh, Roll on uh, season 2020-21 for that. (laughs) Um, But but yeah, it is is good to see. I, I just wonder, is that because... Um, these teams have a, a huge boost from being in the Premier League and uh, the influx of money and the excitement of being promoted and the confidence that comes with that money. I mean, I, I think if you look to say Sheffield United have been able to, like, without going crazy and doing a Fulham, they've been able to like, break their transfer record twice, buying some other very interesting players and all the rest of it. So I think they do feel emboldened by that as well as and of course they believe in the methods of Chris Wilder why wouldn't they it's taken them so far already but I guess the other half of that is how much of them thinks well you know what this this is a free hit no one's expecting us to do well in the Premier League so let's just be ourselves anyway rather than get everyone behind the ball well Daniel Farker said before the match at Anfield on Friday night we're not going to come here and park the bus we're going to play our style of football and I wonder whether he was thinking twice about that at halftime when they were 4-0 down. I mean, is that easy to, easier to say before the season started? I mean, after you've been smashed a couple of times, do you pull the drawbridge up? 
is, is the question, well, I suppose. I... Or do you just accept as a promoted team that, you know what, we're going to get a couple of thrashings and that's a fact of life. I suppose it depends on you as a coach knowing your players and thinking, how long is that going to linger inside the heads of these players? Are they a set of players and a set of people who can compartmentalise and, and just say, well, you know what, we, we lost like 5 nil at United and who cares? You know, we'll, we'll, we'll go and win our games against Southampton and Villa and whoever else. Or is it the case that you're the sort of players and people where it's going to linger and you're going to find it hard to to step it up against the, in the games that you do, do really need to win because that, that feeling of failure is going to cling to you. I guess only the season will tell you really, exactly. but, but it is about knowing your players as well, isn't it? I think the good thing with what we saw from Norwich at Anfield is that despite the fact that they lost 4-1, second half, they still continued to play their football. Well, they had a lot, lot of efforts on had, goal anyway, they didn't they? quite a few, ch- I mean, they yeah. had 12 shots at Anfield. You don't, don't see many teams go to Anfield and have half as many shots yeah. as that and five of those were on target obviously Timu Puki with, with the goal for Norwich I just think that fair play I, I actually liked the fact that they went there and they played their mm. game and that they stuck to it and obviously you know it's that's probably going to be their toughest that and going to the Etihad will be you know two of the hardest games they have to play in the Premier League this season and I think the players can come away despite the fact that they were beaten 4-1 I don't think their confidence Will be will be low after that because mm. I think that they can take quite a lot of positives from that game. Yeah, I think so. And um, the way they got on with it, I think from as you say, half time from from being four down and and not just rolling over and actually having go or, or on the other hand going for damage limitation. They didn't do either of those things, which you would assume are the the, the two natural reactions. Um, but I think it's, it's worth noting that both Daniel Farker and Chris Wilder are coaches with very, very strong philosophies mm. and very um, like very definite ways of, of, of playing, which I think is, is really important. And I, I guess it makes sense, doesn't it? You think, well, this, this has got us so far. Why would we change when Why we change? got to the, 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 the Premier League? Because this is what we believe in and, and this, is, this is who we are. I, I think with Villa, it's a bit more wait and see. because They spent a lot of money. Exactly. So you, you're really just figuring out what the team's going to be and how they're going to play. Dean Smith is still relatively new there as well. He only took, took over like after the start of last season, didn't he? So... Um, I like him I a guess lot, they're, they're on the hoof a little bit, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think everyone's been raving as well about John McGinn and, and what a player he is and what a first half he had in that game. Yeah. Obviously, second half, it's it's a lot harder, isn't it? Because they were part of part of Villa was probably let's try and hold on to this 1-0 lead mm. for as long as we possibly can. And obviously then when you go 2-1 down, it kind of, that game plan has to change, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it does. And, you know, they, they didn't really have any time really to... To, to respond to it either. But yeah, I, I mean, they'll, they'll want to get a point or two on the board. There's no doubt about it. But you know, Villa were, I, th- I thought, very creditable. Um, it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because especially after Fulham last season, there's been a lot of people saying how promoted sides should play it. And maybe you shouldn't go out and spend loads of money. I tend to think it's a little bit revisionist when people talk about Fulham in that way. Of course, it didn't go well for them. Of course, they made a, a, a ton of mistakes. But a lot of those players they bought, you would think like uh, Jean-Michael Serri, Barcelona wanted him for goodness sake. Brilliant sakes. player. You, you know, he's he's someone who you'd think 
would work out. There was a lot of change. There was a lot of turnover. There's probably too much. But they got rid of their manager very early in the season. Yeah, absolutely. They they did. But you think about like how many loan players they had when they were promoted. They had to they had to make a change at, at, at some point. So um, you know, I think I think it's all very well to say where it went wrong. Like after. Um, but yeah, I, I think the main thing is it's, it's got to be stability in terms of the coaching. You could argue that was that was one of Fulham's biggest mistakes. One of the interesting things from watching Sheffield United this weekend, I think everyone was waiting to see whether the overlapping centre-backs and that style of play yeah. that Chris Wilder adapted all last year very successfully in the Championship, whether he would stick with it in the Premier League. And he did. And it was brilliant to watch. Yeah, it was. Um, and it was made all the better by a, a Billy Sharp goal at the end. It was absolutely uh, fantastic to see. Uh, but, you know, Sheffield United are a, a club with in, incredibly proud history. It's, it's, it's good to see them back in the, 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 the Premier League. But, you know, there's been a lot of talk in the last week about how people remember their previous incarnations in the Premier League and still associate that with them. So like the the Harry Bassett times and the Neil Warnock times more recently. So I think for them to be able to get out there and, you know, it's just the first game and it's, it's very tempting to make loads of big conclusions. We were talking about this before, weren't we? Just off the first game. But for them to say, oh, we are different to previous Sheffield United's and to show a new audience that I think is really interesting. It is. And, you know, they didn't play against a particularly good side on Saturday. Bournemouth weren't at their best, were they? I mean, I, I, I don't know. What is Bournemouth's best, though? I, I mean, I know everyone wants Eddie Howe to be the next great English coach and go on and, you know, coach the ass off a top six team or the England team or, or after, after Gareth Southgate or, or whatever. But I, I, have, I have a few concerns with, with, with Bournemouth. To me, they've they've seemed to spend like a lot of money, and it's it's fine. We've we've said they've got the money. It's fine for for them to spend money. It's fine for clubs like uh, Huddersfield and Villa and you know whoever else has been in the bottom half of the the, the Premier League to spend that new TV money. I've, I've no issue with that. They've sent seem to spend a lot of money on, in some cases, some quite average players over the, the last year or two. Who'd you put in that bracket? Um, well, like unproven players, and you you know you look at. Um, Dominic Solanke, for example, uh, you know, I would want, I suppose you, you could argue you're not going to get a sure thing in the Premier League for 15 or 20 million pounds these days. That's just just the way it is. Um, but, you know, I know Bournemouth scout all over Europe and in some cases, you know, they make some really imaginative signings like, like Jefferson Lerma. But but some of those I've, I've got a bit of a doubt about, you know, that at least they still have that that constancy with you know guys like Steve Cook for example who've, who've been there and done it and are very much part of the club um i i think looking deeper into the season i've got a few little concerns about about Bournemouth i i want them to prove that they can that they can kick on from from where they've been i mean it's you know it's still an achievement for a, a club with a ground that's got 9000 to, to to be in the premier league you know it's, it's it's not to be sniffed at but it's always a a tricky situation isn't it and this is this is what happens isn't it you, you sort of think that the, the top for a team like that the top 6 probably top 8 is absolutely impossible to get into so if you're and we've had it before with swansea go back a few further years with charlton 
how do you keep going when there's a very definite ceiling? You could even say the same about Stoke, couldn't you? You know, they got to the cup final and got into Europe once. How do you build on that? How do you maintain the feeling of progress when there's a very definite ceiling? Of, of course, um, we talked about the start of the Premier League season. Now, there's a curtain raiser after the start mm. in the sense that there's the UEFA Super Cup this week. Midweek uh, football. Yeah. Love it. That's right. And it's uh, Liverpool and, and Chelsea will be um, meeting in Istanbul. First time it's an all-English meeting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's the first time that uh, a major men's European final um, is going to have been presided over by female officials led by uh, Stephanie Frappard of France. I, I think this is really interesting. I think we're edging towards the normalisation of female match officials, which is, is, is great. And I think that it's going to be Stephanie Frappard who's, who's going to be doing it is, is really important because she's someone who's enormously respected in France. Um, she uh, refereed a game in Ligue 1 for the first time in, in, in April. And it was kind of over-analysed, really, because the game that she presided over was so bad that there was nothing else to talk about. It was, it was really the only point of interest that there'd been um, a, a, a female um, ref. But um, I think you... Uh, there was a great article about it in The Guardian by uh, Paul Doyle, which is well worth looking up. Um, the fact that players say that she's one of the, the, the best refs around, male or female. What they were really keen on getting across a lot of those players is that you can talk to her. And that's what that's something, I mean, you know, you know a lot of footballers and a, a lot of former footballers from, 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 from your various lines of work. That's something that footballers who I speak to say is increasingly difficult. They find it difficult to, to talk to to, to match officials and, and this is something that I think is is an ongoing problem really that that lack of proper dialogue between between match officials and, and players so if you've got a referee who, who can do that you know she's got an opportunity to really make a name for herself yeah this is really positive obviously I'm a huge champion and a uh, I'm a huge champion for women in football and women in sport and when you've got someone like Stephanie Frappart refereeing a match of this magnitude mm. that really does kind of show and and she says it herself you know i want to show younger girls and 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 females that want to work in football that want to be part of football and and being a, a female in this sport is actually it's doable it's okay and and we are as good as the men and there is not a single female that works in football or in sport that will say I want that job because I'm a female. We all are in agreement that we all want a job because we're the best person for the job. Mm. And what I love is that in this instance, they have chosen her because she's a brilliant referee. Not let's have a female referee referee yeah. this game. It's let's pick the best person for the job. And in this instance, they've they've agreed that this is the best person for this job. And you mentioned the match in April that she refereed in Ligue 1. Until that point, it was the only one of Europe's five major leagues to have an to entrust a match with a female referee was the Bundesliga prior to that. Yeah, Bibiana Steinhaus. Exactly, yeah. and that was in 2017. So now that we're we're going to see Stephanie Frappard more in Ligue 1 this season, mm. she's going to be refereeing plenty of games, it's a real positive. And, and the Super Cup on uh, 
when she referees the Super Cup on Wednesday, I think that we're just going to be able to see a different style. Obviously, it's a different style to how men referee a game, but mm. the female referees have to go through the same testing. They go through all the same fitness tests. Yeah. They have to pass all of the same tests that the men do to referee a game. And if they see her fit to referee this match, then why shouldn't she? I think it's a, a real positive. And I'm glad to see it off the back of the Women's World Cup. She refereed the final in the Women's World Cup. But in the group stages, I think there were a few poor refereeing decisions on show. I mean, you kind of get that in a Men's World Cup, wouldn't you? Yeah. As, as well, because there's such a, a huge amount of refs of varying standards, if we're, we're honest, taken from quite a, a, a wide diaspora of of football and some of them placed in situations where, where maybe they're a little bit out of their depth in, in, in some occasion because it is a huge showpiece. I think a big part of the some of the poor refereeing decisions and some of the slightly poorer displays of refereeing at the Women's World Cup, a lot of it was down to the application of VAR as well. I, mm. I feel like they... It, it was awkward. It, it was they they were changing rules and laws halfway through, and yeah. and and it just wasn't it wasn't fair on the referees, in fairness. But I do think that as a whole, from a lot of what I was seeing on social media, and I know it's not the best place to kind of see reviews of anything, but there was a lot of bashing for the women's referees at the World Cup, and mm. that's not something we want to see. We obviously want to see support for all referees because they are there to do a job. And a lot of the time they do it very well. And it's a tough job. I mean, I have so much respect for referees. I had uh, the chance to go into the VAR hub at Stockley Park last mm. week. And I was talked through the entire process of how they make decisions. There's this button that you can that you use to bookmark incidents in right. case you have to go back to a different phase to kind of look at something. And they let me have a go. They were like, right, Jules, you can have a go at this now. So press the green button when there's something you want to bookmark. I played it like a game show, Andy. I was literally, I was so excited. I was like, right, I'm not going to miss a thing. And uh, there I was. I slammed on this button so hard. I was like, God, I bet they're not like this on a Saturday afternoon. But it's tough. It is tough. And there's lots of different kind of elements to it. And you're keeping your eyes peeled. And it's, it isn't an easy job to be a referee. And it, it most definitely isn't an easy job to be a video assistant referee either. So no. I have a lot of respect for referees and even more respect for Stephanie Frappard because she is leading the way and she is a huge inspiration to many women in sport and, and up-and-coming female and male referees in the game. Should we get to some of the correspondence? Let's do it. Thank you so much for getting in touch. Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com if you want to send in an email for next week's show. Uh, this first one comes from Michael Scheel. Hopefully I've pronounced your name right, Michael. Do you reckon that's a Scheel or a Shile? Scheel. Scheel. Michael Scheel. He says, hello, new ramblers. Hello. That's uh, a great way of starting an email. I like that. <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed last week's show. So did we. Uh, just wanted to see what your opinions are on some of the mid-table sides pushing on for European qualification spots. Everton, Wolves, West Ham and Leicester have had good transfer windows. Do you think one of them could have a surprisingly high finish? What do you reckon? <laughs> well, I, th I think if you're a supporter of one of those teams, you'll be looking at Chelsea this weekend and like rubbing your hands mm. because I think to play like pretty well in a game at Old Trafford for like an hour plus and then come away having beaten been beaten 4-0 it does sort of say well are we badly lacking in a few fundamentals and of course they've got a few players to come back you know we talked about benches I mean 
goodness sake, they had N'Golo Kante on the bench because he, he wasn't quite ready. That so, sixth spot no, is most definitely up for grabs, isn't it? It, it, it could is be. In this, of, in this of all seasons. I think of, of those teams, obviously people will look at Everton and their um, eye-catching transfer window. For, for me, I, I think Wolves are in a really good position. Really? I think they were, they were looking good anyway. And ever since they were promoted, ever since they won the championship, they've added from a position of strength. So they never had to do the Fulham. You know, they, they were able to add players on and just gradually bleed them in. You look at Leander Dendonker, he didn't get straight in their team, for example. And uh, now, now he's now he's 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 proven a key part. They've got Cutrone as 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 back up to Jimenez, which is something they were really lacking last season. I don't think many of those teams are a better set than Wolves. I like. What, what do you reckon? I like Leicester actually, and I think that if had they not lost Harry Maguire. I'd I'd have had money on them to finish top six because they, they have lost all, Maguire. But they've kind of like slightly different planned for his loss already, haven't they? You know they've 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 got quality in there already. I mean they were in a good position because they didn't have to do a panic signing to replace him. Yeah, you know they they could just look at guys and you know when they felt that the price for Tarkovsky was too much, they could go, you know what, we'll just stick with what we've got. Mm. And how many how many teams are in a, a position to do that when when the, when they've lost a big player? The reason I like Leicester, I think, when Brendan Rodgers came in at the tail end of last season, you saw what a change it made and what an improvement it made to their style of play and what an improvement it made to Jamie Vardy. And I think that when you're scoring goals and your team are confident, that puts you in a good position. Now, I know this weekend wasn't anything to go by because mm. that game was a bit flat. However. I think Leicester of those teams have a good chance. I also, I actually don't think Wolves because I think their European campaign could play a little bit of a part in their in how they perform in the Premier League. We'll have to wait and see. Half dead by November. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but West Ham for me, I know they lost 5-0 to Manchester City. That's not a fair reflection on what West Ham's season are going to be. I look at that mm. squad. I look at Haller. I think he's a great signing for them. And you look at every single position in that West Ham squad, they've almost got two players for each position. So I don't think, I think they're a team who, if they suffer injuries, it won't affect them too badly. I like the look of West Ham. I don't think they can get top six, but I think they're going to have a good season. So of the four, to answer your question, Michael, I would say for me, Leicester and Andy thinks Wolves. So uh, hopefully that answers your question. Interesting. Well, we're mm. talking of signings and whatnot, Eric Williamson has sent us something in from uh, uh, Kelowna in uh, British Columbia, Canada. Now, I definitely haven't pronounced Ooh, that right. We've got far-fetched listeners from around the world. But nice. that, that makes it sound like I'm making him up. He's a real person. <laughs> He's a real person. <laughs> okay. Hello, Jules and Andy. Eric here. Loved your first round into the new Football Ramble Daily. Felt like you guys pulled a good shift. Deserved full minutes and put on a brilliant pod performance. Mm. Oh, Thanks. That's kind. Thank you. Thank you. Um, as a Canadian who follows a lot of uh, Prem stroke EFL action and MLS, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Derby County bringing in Wayne Rooney as a player manager, uh, player coach, so soon after his set off to DC United. I think it's a great signing for Derby. I, obviously, they came so close last season. Losing in the playoff final is the most cruel way mm. to to not get promoted, isn't it? When you get that close. Could Rooney be the difference in getting Derby over the line? I think he could be. I think he is, he's class. He's 33 years old. Mm. He's still got legs in him. We, we've seen an MLS. He can still score goals. He's one of the best players we've seen in the Premier League ever. And I think that 
he could even still get into a Premier League team. Mm. So, oh, he could, I it, think. Yeah. He's gone to Derby. I think part of him going to Derby is due to the fact that he, he saw how well it worked for Lampard last year in terms of the coaching side. Um, I spoke to Rio Ferdinand and Joe Cole about this on on Saturday on BT Sport and they both think this is a, this is a great appointment for Wayne and they think that as a coach, he has the attributes. They've shared dressing rooms with him over the years and they say he has all the attributes to be a brilliant coach. And And having seen how well it worked out for Lampard last year at Derby, I think this is part of the reason why Wayne Rooney has chosen to go there. I don't know too much about Philip Koku and I don't know whether this will have been one of his choices. What do you think, Andy? Do you think he's the sort that would have wanted a Wayne Rooney there? Whether it is or not, I think it's probably a positive thing because um, I said at the start of the season, Koku needs... He needs to be well prepared for this season. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see if that's the case because the feeling is when he went in at Fenerbahce, having done a really good job at um, PSV Eindhoven, he was undercooked. He didn't really know the, know the league that well. He didn't have people around him, really, who knew the league that well. So, um, I mean, once the, once the championship season starts, you've got 46 games. You haven't got really got time to work on stuff. It's like being in the NBA. You've just got to play and recover and play and recover. So I think he needs to know his team, his squad, and the landscape inside out to, to have that little bit of extra experience as well as, as you say, a fantastic player. All the better, I think. For me, the main takeaway I have from this is maybe Zlatan could come back to the Premier League, which I'm strongly in favour uh, of. Okay. Oh, come on. Zlatan is player coach go? somewhere. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Anywhere. I don't think he'll come back to the Premier League. <laughs> I don't think, I think if he If he's going to go anywhere, I, I think he'll finish it. He's too it. good for the Premier League now, yeah, Zlatan. I think he'll finish it all off um, where he started at Malmö. That that would be a story. That would be something. That would be something. Well, thanks for your emails, Jules and Andy, at footballrambledaily.com to get yours in for next week. Andy, it's been a pleasure as always. Have a good week. You too. You guys enjoy the Super Cup tomorrow. We'll see you next time. There we go. That's what we wanted, isn't it? (laughs) This was a Stakhanov production.